0: Good morning, how's everybody doing? Guys happy to be here. I know to some of you, I gotta inform you, this is the 11.30 service. Alright, those of you that didn't change the time last night. Um, I finally woken up first service, yeah I was dragging my feet a little bit, but I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm also, I, I love coming to church when I'm not leading worship and that doesn't happen that much, but to just uh, stand in the back of, of the auditorium today and just worship God with such amazing musicians. Let's give it up one more time for the band and... and uh, they're so awesome. Um, another thing I'm excited about, and some people may think that this is not the place for it, but I'm excited that the Miami Heat beat the Lakers on Thursday. Anybody else excited about that? Actually, um, last Sunday, I'm leading worship, and I see a guy walking with a Kobe Bryant jersey. I almost jumped off the stage, um, but I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide, um, but I'm real excited about that. I, I love basketball, and uh, it's actually the only sport that I follow um, and, and it's not because the Heat have superstar players and stuff now, even though it makes it a little more exciting to see a team winning. Um, but uh, it all started, you know, growing up in the 90s. What kid didn't like Mike, right? Everybody wanted to be like Mike, like Michael Jordan. And I grew up trying to see every game that he played. And when I would go to the park, I'd do my best Michael Jordan impersonation. And I'd stick my tongue out. And, and uh, every weekend, I'd go play basketball with my friends at, at the schools by my house at Ben Shepard Elementary and stuff. Um, and, uh, my senior, uh, year and actually while I was in high school, um, I was actually on the basketball team and, uh, to your surprise, I I wasn't a starter on the team, but I like to look at it this way. I had the best seats right in the entire gym. Um, and, uh, yeah. So game after game, you know, I saw everything that happened and every once in a while they give me some PT and I'd be able to play and and actually most of the time I got to play, but it was awesome. But a decision happened in my life. Something happened in my life concerning basketball that I believe changed my life. And and here's the thing. um, My senior year, the coach comes up to me um, and says, hey, man, uh, I really want you to be on the basketball team. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, finally somebody's noticing my skills and he's like, I need a guy, you know, that's a good example and, and a good uh, uh, to the rest of the kids. And, you know, you, you, you're all right, but don't even worry about tryouts. You're in the team. And I'm like, yes. You know, I, I would get so scared whenever I try out. I didn't want to get cut. I didn't want to get embarrassed when the list came out and I wasn't on it. And so um, another thing happening in my life, my senior year, is that I was very active in my youth group. Um, I, I went to a youth group of about 500 kids and um, I was uh, the assistant to the youth pastor, and every time he wasn't there, I'd preach, and actually every other week, I'd preach to the middle school students as a high schooler, preaching, you know, a couple times a month. And so I had a real active role in my youth group, and um, so when I found out I could be part of the basketball team, um, I went up uh, to my youth pastor one Friday night, and I'm like, hey, great message, pastor. He's like, thanks. You know, and I said, I have to talk to you. And he's like, all right, man, you know, come over here. We went to the corner and I started talking to him about stuff. And finally, you know, I pulled the trigger and I said, hey, um, this year, it's my senior year and I really want to play basketball. He's like, oh, good, good. And, and here's the good news. I already made the team. He's like, oh, great. And I'm like, so what's what, what do you have to talk to me about? I'm like, well, you know, the thing is, I'm not going to be able to come to youth group for six months. And he like looked at me like what? And um and I'm like, what do you think? You know, I don't want to make this decision without your blessing. And he's like, well, here's what I think. He's like, 10 years from now, where do you think you're going to be, make the bigger, biggest impact? Is it going to be because you played basketball your senior year? Or is it going to be because your senior year, you poured into the lives of middle school students every single week? And man, I, he told me that. I was like, oh, why'd you say that? You know? And then I looked at him. I wanted the easy way out. And I'm like, so are you telling me? to to quit the team and not be in the team. And he's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you to think about that, pray, and do whatever God wants you to do. And here's what I know. What I really, 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 really wanted to do was to play basketball. And not because I wanted to play basketball, but because being on the team had some perks. All right, when you were on the team, you got to wear like your letterman, and the girls would look up to you, you know. Another thing I was real excited about is on the day there were games, you get to leave school early. Right and so I'd be able to miss math because that was one of my last classes and I was so excited I mean, I'm in the basketball team I have an excuse absence an excuse reason to leave the school and uh, you know So there were so many things and the days that we had games I didn't have to wear my ugly school uniform I could wear like my jersey, you know, and and so all those things were, were in my head I really want to be on the team. I want to be in the yearbook You know for something other than like, you know winning the hot dog eating contest or something and uh and so Here's the truth. What I really wanted to do is not what I needed to do. What I needed to do was actually go to youth group and teach the kids and pour into the lives of the kids. Because here's what I know that's a fact. I was never going to make it into the NBA. And some of you are thinking like, Mark, what are you thinking? You, know, you had all the potential in the world to be in the NBA. And, and another thing. I was never going to get a college scholarship because of my athleticism. And so it was more of something that I really wanted, but not what I really need. And here I stand today, a pastor, sharing the Word of God. And I believe it could have been very possible if my senior year I decided, you know what, I'm going to skip youth group for six months. And, and, you know, my youth pastor's a fanatic, and he's like making me do this. You know, he's giving me a guilt trip, you know, um I probably wouldn't be standing here today preaching the word of God. I believe that in my heart if the decision I would have made back then to leave youth group to go Pursue something that I really wanted to do. It would have probably taken me away from what God had prepared for me And here's the crazy thing. We all have moments like this in our lives moments when we really 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 want something And i'm sure that if you guys would stop and think about it. You could pinpoint moments in your life when you've made a decision based on like this like spur of the moment. Oh yeah. This desire. I want to do this. I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to buy that. I want to be with this woman. I want to be with this man. I want to date this person. I want to go here. And the outcome of that decision is haunting you till this very day. Some of you are sitting here in this auditorium and you are broken because of a rash. Decision that you made, an anxiety that you had for something that's destroying your life. And here's the other thing we're not the only ones that always want and want and want and want things. Our kids are the very same way, demanding things, demanding things right now. I want it now, immediate satisfaction. A couple of months ago, we made the mistake. A month before my son's fourth birthday, to tell him what we were doing for his birthday, that we were going to go to this place called Monkey Joe's. And those of you who don't know what that is, it's like an indoor bounce house theme park type thing. And every morning when he'd wake up, he goes, "Is it my birthday? Are we going to Monkey Joe's?" Every morning, if he'd take a nap, he'd wake up. "Is it my birthday? Are we going to Monkey Joe's?" And we're going crazy five weeks. This kid every single day, a couple times a day, "Is it my birthday now? Can we?" He'd eat lunch and goes, "Is it my birthday now? Can we go to Monkey Joe's? I want to go to Monkey Joe's now. Why, mom? I want to go now." And we're like, Caleb, it's not your birthday. See, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today in a message that I've titled The Parent Trap. Today we're going to discuss one of the biggest temptations that parents face. It's a fill in your outline. The biggest temptation that parents face is giving kids everything that they want instead of what they really need. I'm going to say that again. The biggest temptation that parents face is giving kids everything they want Instead of what they really need. And this is something that I struggle with. You see, sometimes I work crazy hours and I get home and my kids are asleep. And then there's days that I leave and my kids are still asleep. And so whenever I have the time to spend with my kids, I find myself a lot of times saying yes to almost everything that they ask for. And you know what the problem with saying yes to kids every time they want something, every time they ask for something? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to show you. Check out this hey video. Hey,
1: Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart. All right.
0: Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home.
1: No, I want one of those. Bunker, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name the price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? The man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. Gooses. Geese. Geeses. I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter. It will, sweetheart. At least a hundred a day. Anything you say. And by the way, what I want a feast. You ate before you came to the factory. I want a bean feast. What one of those? Cream buns and doughnuts and fruitcake with no nuts. So good you could go You're gonna have all those things when you get home. No, now I want a ball. I want a party. Pink macaroons and a million balloons and performing baboons and give it to me now. I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolate. Give it to me now. I want today. I want tomorrow. I want to wear them like braids in my hair and I don't want to share them. a party with roomfuls of laughter, 10,000 tons of ice cream, and if I don't get the things I am after, I'm going to scream! I want the work, I want the whole work! Presents and prizes, sweet and surprises the bullshit and sizes. And now, don't
0: care how I want it now. Don't care how I want it now.
1: She was a bad egg. Where's she gone? Where all the other bad eggs go, down the garbage chute. Oh, what a garbage chute. <laughs> where, where does it lead to? To the furnace. To <laughs> the furnace! <laughs> She'd be sitting like a sausage. Well, not necessarily. She could be stuck just inside the tube. Inside the Hold on! Veruca! Sweetheart! Daddy's coming!
0: Nobody wants a Varuka salt, right? And even those of us that probably have a little Veruca salt wish there was a bun we could push. Or maybe a switch that we could flip so that our children wouldn't act this way. So that our, sh- our children wouldn't embarrass us sometimes in the supermarket or when we're making a line. And you see, kids are always going to want something. Most of the time. But giving kids everything that they want is probably the worst thing that you can do as a parent. The biggest issues with giving kids everything they want are this. The first one. Is that they're never satisfied. They're never satisfied. That thing that you gave them that you thought, this is it. This is going to entertain them for months, for a year. A day goes by and they're like throwing it. Or they have no idea where they left it. They're no longer satisfied by it. They become unappreciative. And we see this mostly when, when they begin to grow older. And now they feel like they're entitled to the things that you do for them. It's like, you have to take me to the movie theater. You have to take me to my friend's house. You have to do all these things. It's no longer, Mom, thanks for giving me a ride. You're so nice. I know you're so tired. Or, Dad, I know you've been working so hard, and now you're giving me 20 bucks and dropping me off at the theater or at the mall. No. It's like, what do you mean you're not going to take me? Hurry up. You're taking too long. They become unappreciative. And lastly, and this is the one that scares me the most as a parent is this, they rebel against you and God. You think that you're doing something great by giving them, giving them everything that they want and in turn it backfires. And it destroys your kids. I've seen it time and time again. I was a youth pastor here at our church for seven years. And you would not believe how many times I wanted to body slam a teenager after I heard them speak to their parents. The way that they treated their parents. And it always seemed to be the kids that had everything. The kids that got dropped off at youth group in the SUV or in the luxury vehicles. I remember one summer when I was taking a group of about 40 kids to camp and, um, you know, there's about 60 people standing in the church parking lot, moms, dads, grandmas saying bye to everybody, you know, some kids going away for the first time. And I'm taking these kids for an entire week to camp on the beautiful beaches of Daytona. All right, parents paid way over $300 for their kids would go. Some of these kids with about $60, 70 $100 of spending money to go to camp because they're just spoiled that way. All right, and this mom comes to say goodbye to her daughter, okay, after paying all this money and stuff for her to go have a good time at the beach. And the girl says, get away from me. I hate you. You ruined my life. And at that moment, I started going for my cell phone because I'm thinking, this mom is going to murder this girl here in front of 60 other people. She's going to beat her up. And uh, the complete opposite happened. This woman should have seen her face, puts her face down and begins walking to her car and cries the entire way to the car. And at that moment, I walked up to the girl. I grabbed her by the hair and began dragging her through the parking lot. No, I didn't do that. But I really wanted to do it. What I did was, when I when I had the opportunity, um, I went up to the girl, and I said, hey, you know what you did to your mom was really mean. And here's what I know to be true. You don't mean that. Deep down inside, you love your mother. And as I started talking to her like this, I saw the biggest tears that I've ever seen come out of a girl's face. This girl just started crying. And I said, you know what? What I want you to do is I want you to call your mom and tell her that you're sorry, that you love her, and that you're having a great time. And here's another part of the story, is that actually a few months earlier, um, I, I counseled uh, the mom after church in the, in the hallway, and um, she told me, Hey, Pastor, I'm having a terrible time with my daughter. You know, she's rebelling. You know, she tells me that she hates me, and I just don't understand it, because I've always given her everything that she wants. See, giving your kids everything that they want doesn't make you a good parent. Buying your kids all these crazy presents is not what they need. And I know for some of us, we grew up not having a lot of stuff, so now we have a little bit more, and we just want to make up for it by just giving our kids whatever it is that they ask for. But buying kids all these crazy presents, that's not what they need. And today I'm going to talk to you about the three things, the three biggest things that your kids need the most. And the first one, is more of your presence, not your presence. More of your presence in their life, more of your time in your life, not the stuff that you buy them. Your kids need more of you. Galatians 6, 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You guys think thinking that? That doesn't sound like a parenting verse. Mark, did you just grab that from somewhere to fill up your message? No. This is one of the most important verses when it comes to parenting. You know what this verse means that whatever you put into something, that's what you're going to get out of it. Whatever you put into your kids, that's what you're going to get out of it. And if you're putting material things, if you're putting stuff into your kid's life, you know what you're going to end up getting from your kids? Materialistic, self-centered children. How about if we stop putting so much junk into the lives of our kids and we began putting more of our time into their life. How about if instead of going to the mall, to GameStop, to Disney World, Toys R Us, to see what we can get our kids so that they can be happy for 45 minutes or a week if we're lucky. Instead of turning to Google for answers, we turn to God and say, God, what do I need to do to raise godly, successful, happy children? they are like, turn to, turn to God, Mark? What, what does that mean? What are you talking about? You know what? God loves your kids more than you ever will. God loves your kids more than you ever will imagine that God loves your kids So if you want great advice for your kids turn to God for parenting advice Not Oprah or dr. Phil or that lady that you work with that has three kids from three different baby daddies Turn to God Check out what God has to say in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 It says this it's up on the screen in your outlines or you can open up your Bibles It says this these are the commands Decrees and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live If you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life who here wants a long life God saying obey my words Obey my words listen closely israel now i stop there. I've said this before, but whenever we read Israel in the Old Testament, it's God talking to his people. We are God's people. The church are God's people. So when we read the Old Testament, we see Israel. It's not a part of a map. It's us. And so I'm going to read it like this. Listen closely, church, and be careful to obey that all then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. God saying with everything that you got, love me, serve me, commit yourself to me. And then he goes on to say this, and this is the key right here. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the key to having successful, happy, godly children. And where am I grabbing that from this? A few verses up, it says, the land flowing with milk and honey. You know what that means? That means prosperity. That means success. That means being in a place where God is going to protect you and take care of you. Who wants to raise kids in that type of environment? I know I do. And God's saying, you want that? You can have that. But you got to obey my commands. you got to love me with everything that you got. You got to surround your family with me. Make God the center of your life. Make God the center of your family. And here's the thing, most of us will agree. Those of us that have kids or that know people with kids, or just probably everyone in the room. Most families revolve around the kids. Everything that we do, our schedule, everything we do revolves around our kids, what our kids want, where they want to go, karate, ballet, soccer, basketball, you know, drama, everything revolves around what our kids want. And if we stop and think about it, that is probably the craziest thing we've ever heard. How can most of our decisions be based around what a kid wants, what a kid's desires are? What do they know, really, compared to what you know? Most of them can't even wipe their butt. And then we wonder why our lives are so crappy at times. We wonder why we're having problems with our wife, problems with our husbands. And it's because now everything that we do, our kids are the center of our life. Our kids are the center of our home. You know that um, the Professional Psychological Institute, something, uh, this long name, the percentage is this, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And after kids leave the home, it goes up by 16%. That means 66% of marriages end up in divorce once the kids leave the home. You're thinking like, man, that, that's, that's, a, that's a big percentage, but you know, I'm part of the 44. That's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Imagine if I told you that you had a 66% chance of living. You'd be like, Mark, why'd you go there? You know, but it's true. It's serious stuff, guys. We begin to center our marriages and our family around a couple of kids that just entered the world and our homes are going to fall apart. And check this out. Uh, Our kids leave at 18. If you're Cuban or Hispanic, 35, right? (laughs) And your kids leave the home. And then you look at your wife and your husband and you're like, who are you? I don't even know who you are. Because for the past 20, 30 years of my life, Everything that we've ever done has been about these kids. And couples find themselves freaking out. They don't know the person that they've been living with. And now imagine this. Imagine if now God is the center of our family. God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And now your wife and your kids and you have something in common that will never change. Something in common that has passed the test of time. You base your family on the Lord, not on your kids. And let me tell you, that 66% goes away. And now the kids leave, and it's like, man, God was here when we got married. God was here when we had kids. Now the kids are gone. Let's party and have an amazing rest of our lives. Because God is in the middle. You always have something in common. See... If we base our decision on what kids want, the reality is kids don't know what they want. You know what my two-year-old wants to eat every single day whenever I ask him? It's either Cheetos, gummy bears, or Coke. That's what he wants. He woke up in the morning the other day, and I'm like, Papi, what do you want to eat? You want eggs? You want a sandwich? What do you want? He goes, I want Cheetos, I want gummy bears, and I want Coke from the red can. All right? Could you imagine if I gave Joshy every single time he wanted to eat something, Cheetos, gummy bears, and Coke? He'd be in a diabetic coma right now. Alright. But as a father who loves him, sometimes I need to say no. And I need to give him what he needs, not what he wants. So you're thinking, okay, Mark, I got it. Thank you. I got it. You know, just pray so that I could go home. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring my kids to church. I'll drop them off in in the children's ministry, in the youth ministry on Wednesday nights. And, you know, I'm so grateful for our church. We have such uh, great people that preach to our kids and teach them about Jesus. And, And you know what? You're right. You have a great church. You are blessed. And we work tirelessly, I mean, in our offices and and training people so that your kids can have the best Bible teaching that we can give. But here's the thing. Many parents think it's the church's responsibility to introduce their kids to Jesus. And it's not. It's not the church's responsibility to introduce your kids to Jesus. And a lot of people do that. Kids reach like eight years old and they drop them off at church so that they could go through a series of classes so they could meet God. You know whose responsibility it is? It's your responsibility as their parents. And as a dad of a two- and a four-year-old, I can't wait until the day that my children understand what salvation is so that I can sit with them and introduce them to Jesus. Introduce them to the person that changed my life and to the person that changed the life of my family. I can't wait to the day until I lead them in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, I cannot wait until that day. You know what your kid needs from you more than anything you could ever buy them? Your kid needs godly parents. Kids need godly parents. The church alone is not enough. Children's ministry, it's not enough. Youth ministry, it's not enough. Watching Veggie Tales, it's not enough. Oh, but they're Christian vegetables. It's good. It's not bad. But it's not enough. See, what's happening in your home is the most important thing. It's more important than what's happening at church. The way that you treat your wife, the way that you treat your husband, the way that you talk, the music that you listen to, the stuff that you watch on TV, the way that you conduct your life, that is what your kids are seeing. That's what's speaking louder than anything they could ever hear at church and children's ministry and youth ministry as they're sitting next to you this morning. And right now, parents, we gotta ask ourselves, am I growing spiritually? Am I growing spiritually? It's a filling in your outline because I really want you guys, I want those words to like just burn in your head and say, am I growing spiritually? And here's the thing, the chances of your child growing spiritually are limited to your spiritual growth. Are you coming to church every Sunday? Are you part of a small group? Are you serving? Are you attending? Now we have Wednesday night service, a great opportunity for you to learn more about God and take your kids to, to youth group or, or to the great program that we have for the children See, are you giving God of, of your talent, of your time, of your treasure? How can we expect our kids to love God if our life is a mess? How can we expect our kid to have a relationship with God when, when what we have is so far from a, a true relationship with the Lord? See, children, once again, learn more from who you are than what you say. And I experienced this... Um, a few months ago, my son Caleb, before he turned, uh, four years old, he was three. And every time he was running around the house, I noticed that he knew every single song on Y100. I mean, every song. You know, he'd be running, playing with his son, or in the park, and he's like, don't stop, make it pop, DJ blow my speakers up, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh, oh. a three-year-old, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, oh. And I'm like, honey, this has to stop, what is this? And he's like, well, the reason he's doing that is because that's what we're listening to in the car. And I'm like, what? And that day I made a decision every single time we're in our car, we're going to listen to worship music. If my son could learn about partying like a rock star and drinking stuff and smoking stuff and and being a thug and doing all this dumb stuff that they're singing on the radio. If he could learn that on the way to Publix. He's going to learn about Jesus on the way to Publix. He's going to learn about Jesus on the way to school, on the way to the park, wherever we go. He's going to learn about Jesus. You know what Caleb is doing now? As he's running around our house or playing with his friends. Even last week, we we took a couple of days off and we stayed in a hotel and, and we're swimming in this pool full of people that we've never seen. We didn't know. You know what my son was singing? That at all as loud as he could. He's singing, "Our God is greater." Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. And then he started singing louder than ever. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, none can stand the He's singing that as loud as he can. And in that moment, without even realizing, my son is preaching the gospel of Jesus. To everyone that's listening to him. Because I wasn't even in the pool. I'm, I'm sitting outside of the pool. And I'm like, what's he singing? And as I begin to tune in, I hear what's coming out of his mouth. Our kids learn more from who we are than what we say. The Bible says this in Proverbs 29. Discipline your children and they will give you rest. And they will give delight to your heart discipline pastor mark are, are you saying that i have to beat my kids are you saying that i got to grab stuff and spank them with it and, and, and that's not what i'm saying even though sometimes there are kids that need a good spanking the root of the word discipline comes from the word disciple and can we stop for a moment uh do we know of anyone that had disciples can we say his name jesus And so when I read this verse, here's what it's telling me. It's telling me this. So make your children disciples of Jesus, and this will bring peace to your life, and your heart will explode with joy. That's what God is asking us to do, to point our kids to Him, to teach our kids about Him. And you know how our kids become disciples of Jesus? Simple thing that we can begin to do today. Pray with your children every night. Pray with your kids every single night. Don't let a night go by. There are times that I get home. I'll get home when when I was uh, doing liquid on a Wednesday night, get home late, like 11 o'clock, and I walk into my kids' room, and they're asleep, and I lay my hands on them, and I pray for them. And I know before that, my wife has already prayed with them, but I've made a commitment to pray with my kids every single night. If I go out of town to a conference or something without my kids, I call home and I pray with my kids on the phone. I mean, with the technology that we have now, iPhones and iChat and Skype and all that stuff, I mean, there's nothing keeping you outside of like a prison. And even then you have like phone calls and hopefully no one goes to prison today. We can call our kids. We can sit with our kids and pray with them every night. Another thing that's real important to me, and I believe it should be for you, is teach them Bible stories. You teach your kids Bible stories. Don't rob yourself of the blessing of being the first person to share a Bible story, a specific Bible story with your kids. Don't give that blessing to a teacher in our our church or or to the VeggieTales, to Bob and Larry. That is your privilege, the blessing that God has given you. And the last thing, show them how to worship. One of the reasons why when I don't lead worship, I, I, I love it. It's because I, I worship with my kids. I sneak them in and we stand in the back and, and we worship together as a family. And I love it. I love seeing them, you know, trying to like mimic the words of the song and just jumping up and down. I love worshiping with my children. Proverbs 22 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. If you're here today and you're a parent or you plan on being a parent and having children one day, the job that God has given you as a parent is to train your children. Like we read in Deuteronomy when we started, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you get up. We need to do our very best to obey God and be godly parents and train our kids. And then the last thing that we need to do, and this is tough. This is really tough. We need, our kids need parents that trust God. Our kids need parents to trust God. And and, and I'll tell you uh, what this really means in Proverbs 3. It says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. One thing that drives parents crazy is when their kids are not with them, all right? And, and you drop your kids off at school, or maybe they're with grandma, or they're with dad alone. And you're wherever you are, mom or dad, you're freaking out, oh my gosh, are my kids. Or if they're in school, did they eat? Did they get in trouble? Is someone going to push them? someone going to hit them? Are they going to hang around with the bad crowd? If you have a daughter, are a boy is going to try to like, you know, seduce her? I mean, and you're obsessed. You can't function. You're at work, and you can't even press the keys on your computer because you can't let go. The smallest thing happens to your kids and you're freaking out, oh, my kid, my kid. There's there's some things that you have no control over. The only thing that you have control over and you need to dedicate all that passion that you have, all that madness that happens at times, is focus that and pour that into training your kids to be Christ followers. Into being a good example. Into making sure that God is always the center of your home. See, there's only so much that we can physically do. And I learned this the hard way in December. I went with my family the last week of December. We went to Disney World and, um, you know, it's I'm talking about parenting. So I'm going to get all my kids stories out in one day. And I've been dying to tell this one. And um, so we're in Disney World, uh, December uh, 31st or December 30th, right before New Year's Eve. and And check this out. Everybody was there. I mean, it was packed. It was actually sold out. Everybody from Miami and all over the world, all of Brazil was present that day. I don't know why. Brazilians love Disney World. And and it was packed. It was crazy. And, and my kid, when we potty trained them, those of you that have potty trained kids, you know that wherever you go, they want to inspect the bathroom, right? And so you're at a restaurant. And they're like, okay, now I need to go to the bathroom. And you go to the bathroom. They're standing in front of the toilet. And you're like, there's nothing happening, you know. I thought you had to. Oh, Bobby, I don't have to go anymore. It's not working. That's what he, what my son tells me. It's not working, Bobby. And uh, and so we go out, and 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 you bet we're leaving Disney. It's packed. We're tired. We want to leave. And Caleb goes, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm thinking, like, babe, you take them. She's like, no, 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 you take them. And men's bathrooms, women are disgusting. I mean, there's, and especially when there's a lot of people at the place you're at. I mean, in front of every urinal, there's like a little puddle. I mean, they pee on the wall. They pee on the seats. It's disgusting. All right. And so I'm going in with my three-year-old son that touches everything. I mean, wherever he goes, like, you know, it's like, and it's like, buddy, you know, you're not an octopus. Okay. And and so we get in the bathroom. I don't touch anything. And I'm walking around. Don't touch anything. Caleb, don't touch anything. All right, And so he does his thing, and then, you guessed, I had to go to the bathroom too. And I'm freaking out. This kid is going to like swim in a toilet all right, while I'm using the bathroom. And I'm like, here, buddy, put your hands in your pocket. Don't touch anything. Say it with me, papi. Don't touch anything. Don't, don't touch anything. And so I shove his hand in his pocket, and don't touch anything. He's like, okay, okay. And so I, I do my thing. I don't got to explain it. And then I turn around and guess what he's doing. No, his hands are still in his pocket. All right? He's going like this to the wall of the bathroom. He is licking the walls of the men's restroom in Disney World. Okay? At that moment, you think it's bad for you. It was worse for me. I almost fell in the toilet. Okay? I could not believe it. I wanted to die. Okay? When I saw this kid licking the walls of the bathroom... There's only so much that we can do as parents. We need to trust God. <laughs> I save the best for last, right? <laughs> and here's the thing. You know what happens when we obsess? We drive our kids crazy. Our kids begin to be like, oh, my mom's so annoying. My dad's so annoying. When I was growing up, I had a beeper, and I would have to like take the batteries off because my mom was always beeping me. beep, 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 beep. You know, some of you are like always texting your kids. Where Where are you? Are you okay? Did you eat? You know, and we drive our kids crazy. You know what the Bible has to say about that? It says this, and this is a bonus. I added this last night. It's up on the screen. You can write it down. It says, Fathers, do not provoke, and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Trust God. Don't fall for the parent trap. You know where veruca salt ended up? Anybody notice? In the garbage, and after the garbage, in the furnace. None of us want our kids to end up in the furnace. This is serious. You are the most influential people in the life of your kids. It's the biggest responsibility that you have, bigger than the business that you're running, bigger than the boat that you like to go on, bigger than the games that you like to go to, than the stuff, the video games that you like to play. Yeah, there's dads, and I'm doing some parent counseling, and it's like, you know, all he does is play, like, Call of Duty. And it's like, you know, the kids are running around, he's on call. Bigger than the biggest Call of Duty video game, whatever you play. Your kids are the biggest responsibility that you have in this world and don't fall for the parent trap Your kids are never going to stop wanting things and I want you to remember The three things that your kids need the most. They need your presence. They need your time They need you to be godly They need you to trust god And maybe you're here today And you've heard some of this and you're saying mark that's easy. You have a two-year-old and a four-year-old That's the time to like train them and you know what you're right it's better when they're younger. But if your kids are a little older, there is hope. There's nothing that's impossible for God. Maybe some of your kids have left the house. They're in college or, or they're just, you know, they're 36 and you're like, 35 is it. You got to leave. All right? And they're old and, and you're like, their life is going wrong. It's not too late. And you know, for some of you, you know what you got to do? Is you got to walk up to your kids and say, hey, you know what? I made mistakes when you were growing up and I'm sorry God has changed my life and I know I can't change what happened in the past, but I know that we can start over and I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. I'd love to talk to you about God. And let me tell you, there's not too many people that will push away. And I'm sorry, a truthful. I'm sorry. As hard as your kids can be little by little the only Jesus that maybe they'll ever see is you and the way that you live your life and you begin to live a life that honors God and I promise you, the Bible promises you that you you and your house will be saved. God promises us that. But we need to live lives that honor God, that represent the person that has changed our life, that has saved us. Maybe there's some of you here today and I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads. The man, you're having trouble with your kids. You're having trouble in your marriage. When I said the whole thing about, you know, revolving everything around your kids and you've noticed, you've probably a light, a light bulb turned on in your head. And you're like, man, that's probably why my wife doesn't like me or I can't stand her anymore or, or why, why if you feel that your husband is so distant. It's because you've been putting your kids in the middle of your marriage. Instead of making God the center of your marriage. And maybe there's some of you here that, man, you are that 66%. You lost it all. You lost your home. You lost your family. Someone else is raising your kids. There's another man that they're calling papi or dad. Or maybe they're living with dad and another person that's not their mom. You know what? There is still hope for you to restore your relationship with your kids regardless of how old they are. Or maybe you're here today. And you're like, I would be a great mom. I would be a great dad. It's just not happening. Been trying to have kids and, and we can't have kids. And and what I'd like to do now, um, I'd like to ask George to come out here. And um, Pastor John and some of the leaders are going to come up. and And I want to pray for you. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. And what that means is if you're hurting, if you're going through a difficult moment in your life, that means that I hurt. I want to hurt with you. I want to cry with you. I want to pray with you so that you can have an amazing family. So that your kids can live in the land flowing with milk and honey. So your lives, your kids can have a life that's full of joy, not full of resentment and anger and rebellion and lies. And let me tell you, it is possible. It can happen. All we need to do is just realign our lives and cry out to God and say, God, Use me make me into that dad or that mom that maybe I'm not or I haven't been And and the lights are are gonna dim and in just a minute. George is gonna sing And I I don't want people like oh look he's praying or whatever. You know what we all need to pray Even if you think you're like super dad or or super mom, we all need prayer But there's some people here today that need that need a little bit more And, And i'm about to go down and i'd love to pray for some of you as well And this is an opportunity to bring God back into the center of our families. man. maybe there's some of you here, and I thought about this right before I, I preached, um, that your relationship with your parents is horrible. You have resentment against your mom and your dad. There's anger, there's hate, and all of that is keeping you from being the person that God desires for you to be. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you so you could just surrender that to God and say, God, take this from me. Take this from me. Maybe as I I said some of these words, you thought, man, I wish my mom and my dad would have heard that 20 years ago, 30 years ago because my life is a mess because of things that they did. You know what? Forgive them because God forgave you. And you do everything that you can to be different. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray for everyone here. I pray... That you would soften the hearts of those that, that are far from you. I pray that you would soften the hearts of those that really need prayer today. That they would come forward and receive prayer. And that you would bless their homes and bless their children. In Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. And, um,. I believe that this is just the beginning of what God wants to do in our church, in our families. And here's the thing, we start living life the way God tells us to live, and we're not the only ones that are going to have the blessing. We're not the only ones that are going to experience that life in a place that flows with milk and honey. The people that are around us will begin to experience the same blessing. All of us have that one or two family member that's so far from God, that's so destroyed. And we are that oasis in our family. God has chosen us to be that, to bring hope into our world. But we just have to be brave enough to do what he's asking of us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. And Lord, we give you all honor and all glory and all praise to you, God. Lord, and I I pray that you would forgive all of us, Lord, for the times that... That we've made decisions based on what we want. We've made decisions even for our kids based on what they want. You know our intentions are to be good. Help us to be better parents. Help us to be better examples of you, Lord. I thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts of everyone in this room. Even the ones that didn't come up for prayer. I know, God, that you met them right there as they sat. And maybe meditated on the words of this song. Or thought, or prayed, or cried out to you, God. I can't wait to hear the report of the work that you began this morning. Of how awesome you are. In Jesus' name we pray and we give you thanks. Amen.